Well, it was an ugly night for the Florida Gators, getting their season started off on the wrong foot, getting their butts beat by Utah. Mizzou starts off their season with a win, and we'll preview LSU versus Florida State with Caroline Fenton, as we'll give you our picks for SEC Week 1. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are Locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's up, everybody? Welcome into Lockdown SEC. It's great to have you guys along. Download the Game Time app presented by uh, Game Time. Create an account and use our code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Lockdown SEC your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. All right, let's dive into it because. This one was ugly for the Florida Gators as they got their butts beat by Utah, number 14 ranked Utah, 24 to 11. But it really didn't feel that close. The Utes, they just bullied the Gators in this one. Bryson Barnes, he threw a 70-yard touchdown pass to Money Parks on Utah's first play of the game. And, uh, you know, if those names don't sound very familiar, it's because, yeah, Cameron Rising, the uh, Utah quarterback that played in this game a year ago was their starter all last year. He got hurt at the end of last year. And my goodness, um, Bryson Barnes looked every bit as good of uh, Cam Rising early on. And then they started to do the quarterback change route. They go to Nate Johnson, uh, who split time with Barnes, and he put on his running ability. And Florida had no uh, answer to stop that. Uh, Utah's defense just clamped down on Billy Napier's offense and really made him look downright silly at times. There were penalties, missteps galore. Uh, after three quarters, Utah was leading 24-3. to Florida had yet to convert a third down halfway through the third quarter. I mean, it was just, it was horrendous all around for Florida. Now look, Utah's a good team, but man, Graham Mertz, disappointing in his debut as a Florida Gator. Um, you know, the numbers don't look bad. If you just look at stats, 333 yards, a touchdown, a pick. Um, but it was inconsistent. Um, Gators committed a fourth down equi equipment, negated a punt, and kept the Utah's uh, Utah's offense on the field as they went for their second touchdown. Uh, then Florida, you know, goes three and out, and they're punting. A 21-yard punt set, sets up a short field for Utah. They go get a 51-yard field goal off, off of that. It was just ugliness all around. Um, often, offensive momentum was not there for the Gators. Florida had just eight yards in the second quarter, averaging 0 0.7 yards per play. They also went 0 for 9 on third down before they finally converted one early in the fourth quarter. Uh, run game, non-existent for the Gators. They had just 21, they had 21 carries for just a net of 13 yards. Trevor Etienne and Montreal Johnson, they were non-factors in this one. And it all comes back to coaching. Billy Napier just looked like he did not have these guys ready to go. Uh, Utah brought it, their fans, their student section was, was loud, uh, but just undisciplined. And getting beat by a, sec a second-string quarterback is one thing, but getting beat by a third-string quarterback running all over the field on you, that's another. 
as you expect, people were not taking it kindly to Billy Napier. Reading some of the tweets we saw on social media, a few said, Billy Napier got to go. This is embarrassing. Another one said, getting blown out by a backup quarterback. What are we doing? Another one said, Sunbelt Billy. Uh, turning motions and unique formations into red zone penalties is a bad offensive look. And then our buddy Barrett Salit tweeted, uh, Florida practiced, right? Of course, the Gators, they struggled to that 6-7 and seven mark of Billy Napier's first season. Keep in mind, they fired Dan Mullen after he started 4-4 four and four in 2021. And now he's coming off of winning 21 games in his first two seasons. So, look, it's one game. And there's a whole season to go for the Gators. But, man, did they get... I mean, just, I don't know how many ways to say it, just ugly. Um, there were a few positives, and we'll point those out. Ricky Parasol, eight catches for 92 yards. Marcus Burke had a couple of nice big catches for 61 yards. That was a positive. And true freshman Trey Wilson, a few nice moments. He finished the three catches for 41 yards. And I do have to mention this because I saw so many people on social media pointing it out, but uh, it wasn't just the debacle on the field. There was a debacle in a lot of people's households trying to watch this game. Spectrum uh, Cable Service, they decided to have a dispute with Disney, and a lot of folks were not able to watch this game uh, because of the Disney dispute, halting all ESPN broadcasts on their service. So no time like right at the start of college football season to take away um streaming service or you know ability to watch all the espn games but uh, nonetheless next for florida it is mcneese coming to town next saturday now meanwhile over in como the mizzou tigers they were much more successful in their season debut mizzou beating south dakota to open their season winning 35 to 10 uh brady cook was the first quarterback. He led a touchdown drive to put the Tigers on the board first, needing just six plays and just under two and a half minutes to score. It was kind of weird, right? Because Eli Drinkwitz leading up to the opener was kind of mum on who the quarterback was going to be. And you know, everybody's like, look, it's going to be Brady Cook, right? He was your starter most of the last year and did an okay job. But Brady Cook, good in his season debut, finished the night 17 to 21 for 172 yards with a touchdown. Also had 17 rushing yards with a rushing score. Uh, run game really took off for Mizzou last night. Uh, Cody Schrader led the Tigers 18 carries, 148 yards, and a touchdown. Of course, Luther Burden, the big five-star receiver from a year ago, he had seven catches for 96 yards and a score. Quarterback Sam Horn, he got some action in the second half, went three for five for 54 yards with a touchdown, but also had an interception, and the offense kind of fizzled uh, with Horn in there. Also a rough night for the Tigers on special teams. Their only big return um, got called back. And uh, Harrison Mevis, their dynamic kicker, he's been 85% on his career on field goal attempts. He missed both of his tries against the Coyotes on Thursday night. So next up, Missouri will take on Middle Tennessee coming up on September 9th at 4-0 field. Um that's the same opponent that Alabama's facing this week. So Mizzou gets a little bit of time to rest, but I bet they feel much better about themselves today than the Florida Gators do. My goodness, it was uh, just not a great uh, start there. All right, a few other notes before we get to our uh, interview here. Uh, some notes over at LSU as Brian Kelly spoke with the media yesterday, updating uh, his players 
uh, injured players ahead of their game against Florida State. They will be without running back Armani Goodwin for the opener. He's been dealing with injuries. Running back Josh Williams, who was uh, coming off of a fractured leg, he is probable. And offensive lineman Kimo Macanioli, he is uh, also probable for this one. They also will be without running back John Emery, as uh, we knew that earlier in the week. But uh, Brian Kelly said he's in good standing with the program, should be available for week three for LSU. So no Armani Goodwin and no John Emery for LSU in the backfield in this one, but they still have some other options like Noah Kane, Josh Williams, and uh, Logan Diggs. So we'll see what those guys look like. And uh, one other note here as uh, we look over at South Carolina, they are set to play North Carolina and Charlotte. Last injury report for South Carolina uh, Bam, Martin, Scott, Connor Cox, and uh, and Gear, their DB, they're all going to be out this week. But they will have Juice Wells, Nicholas Harbor, and Trey Knox. Beamer saying they are full go, ready to play. Had a fantastic week of practice. Couldn't be more excited about those guys playing. And one last note over at Mississippi State, kind of uh, some rough news yesterday. They're going to go into the season without one of the guys they were hoping to be their uh, tight ends, former TCU tight end. Jerquavius Spivey started his career at Mississippi State, transferred to TCU in 2020, and just transferred back this offseason. He announced on social media he was deemed ineligible by the NCAA for a second transfer back to the school he originally started at. He appeared in 52 games with eight starts, 27 of those games, and five of those starts at Mississippi State. So some rough news there. Thank you guys for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, We're going to get into previewing the LSU-Florida State game. That's coming your way in just a sec. And I want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. Look, with the Game Time app, buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you're going to have. Flash deals and last-minute tickets, easy to find, and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. The best part is they got images of your seat view, so you can see what your seat is going to look like for the event. Game time, the place to go for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, whatever it is. The game time guarantee means you will always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Go snag your tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code locked on college for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Create, create an account and redeem your code locked on college for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Rolling along here, Locked On SEC, and it is officially game week as we look ahead to uh, the games happening this weekend, SEC Week 1. And the biggest one, it is a battle of two ranked opponents. It is uh, Top 10 LSU against Top 10 Florida State, and nobody better to break this one down with us than our buddy Caroline Fenton, host of Locked On LSU. Caroline, welcome in. Can you believe it? It's already here. It's it's like I get throughout the week, sometimes I – it doesn't feel like game week. And then throughout the week, at least throughout the day today, I've been getting these like little you know, twinges of anxiety and excitement and the realization that we are finally here. So thank goodness. It's been a long, 
dark, cold summer without football, but I'm happy to be here. <laughs> it's uh, It's been amazing. This is the game I've probably talked about most, you know, the last two weeks doing a lot of regional, national hits that I've been doing. And uh, I, I can't believe how many people I talk to that are 50-50 on this one. I mean, obviously, LSU is still the, the slight betting favorite around two, two and a half points, depending on where you're looking. Um, but I, I'm really uh, – every preview I read, like, people are very split on this one. And it, and what that means is we got two really, really good teams. In all honesty, I'm pretty split on this game as well. And I think it's because, like you mentioned, these are two very evenly matched teams. These are two top 10 preseason teams with two returning veteran quarterbacks, two teams with solid defenses, with solid receiving cores. I mean, Florida State returns more productivity than almost any other, I think, than every other college football team from 2022 to 2023. I think LSU's top five in that list of both of these teams have a lot of retention and a lot of continuity from this past season. But I think the other reason why so many people are torn on this game, not just because it's a very evenly matched game, but because even with all of the continuity and turnover from last year, there's still a lot of questions about how good each of these teams can be. In 2022, both LSU and Florida State overachieved. But both LSU and Florida State kind of left a lot to be desired in some of their games on their schedule. I mean, LSU finished the season with an absolute clunker against Texas A&M. Florida State didn't beat a single-ranked opponent on their schedule this past season. So while both teams are going to be good and have a whole heck of a lot of talent on these rosters, the, the question remains, what are each of these two teams going to be able to achieve with said talent on those rosters? And it starts by putting it to the test immediately in this game in Orlando over the weekend. I, I know Brian Kelly early, earlier this week announced his captains for the season. One of them is Jaden Daniels. We've heard so much about Jaden Daniels and uh, his attention to detail and focus and work and just, you know, working on improving himself. We know he went to the uh, Manning Passing Academy. He was at SEC Media Days. I mean, he is, um, you know, he is hyped up and hyped well. I think even Dan Wetzel picked him as his Heisman pick for this season. So uh, he's getting a lot of attention. The question is, can he take his game to the next level? I was re-watching last year's matchup, and we saw a very timid Jaden, a Jaden that was looking to run first, not pass. Um, on the opposite side, we saw Tra- uh, Jordan Travis, a guy who ran when he had to, but threw, you know, when his guys were open. Uh, just kind of an interesting contrast with both quarterbacks. But what have you seen? What have you heard about uh, Jaden Daniels and, and where he is right now getting ready for this season? Yeah, Jaden Daniels spoke to the media today, and he was talking about, you know, what he saw from the from watching the film from this past year's Florida State game. And he said it was frustrating to see us as a team leave so many plays on the field. And he said, we as a team are so much more improved night and day difference now than we were this time last season. And I know that Jaden Daniels is speaking on behalf of the team because that's true. The team as a whole did leave a whole lot of plays on the field. The team as a whole, I believe is much improved, but I also think that's true about he himself specifically that he left a lot of plays on the field last year. And he is a different quarterback, a better passer now than he was this time last season. And just look at, I look at that three-game stretch from Jaden Daniels last season. Ole Miss, Florida, and Alabama. That was a Jaden Daniels that was confident in the offensive line, that was confident enough to drop back, go through his reads, and utilize the pass-catching weapons that he had at his disposal. That was a Jaden Daniels that had a much better grasp 
of the offense and knew when to run and knew when to just wait and be patient. Now, I don't think that Jaden Daniels is, is perfect. I don't think that Jaden Daniels has, you know, smoothed out all of those rough edges from a, a passing game standpoint. But I do think that he's much more improved. And I do think in my heart of hearts that you put the 2023 Jaden Daniels in that game in 2022 and LSU wins that game. Florida State is a much more improved team, so I don't expect it to be as sloppy as it was last season, but I do fully expect Jaden Daniels to take much more, a much better advantage of the offense around him against Florida State this year because he has that confidence and rapport in the line, in his pass catchers, and in himself. Yeah, I heard Brian Kelly say the other day, I mean, the, the offensive line from from this point a year ago to this point now uh, is night and day. I mean, you talk about two guys who are true freshmen at your bookend tackles who really have locked it locked it down and were very, very good. Will Campbell on, on just about, you know, all these preseason All-American watch lists, uh, you know, uh, Emory Jones also getting some love, and then the guys in between from Garrett Dellinger, Charles Turner, Miles Frazier, it's an experienced bunch. And they're going to need to be going up against that Florida State front that's led by Jared Verse, what, like nine sacks a year ago. Uh, it's a feisty bunch. Um, how do you expect the, the LSU line to hold up? Yeah, Jared, I mean, if you want to test, Jared Verse is just about as good as any of them. The best test that you're going to get. And surprise, you get that week one. So you don't really get to, a whole lot of time to to uh, figure out your offensive line, but I do expect that Jared Verse and Will Campbell to be the best matchup of the game. And I do think that overall, this game is going to come down to, one, who can protect their quarterback the best, two, who can get to the quarterback the best, and three, who can minimize mistakes the most. Um, because I think that this is going to be a, a battle in the trenches, absolutely. I know that Florida State's going to want to have a very balanced offense. They don't want to have to be forced to run the football if you know the LSU's defensive line is giving them fits and vice versa. LSU wants to be a balanced offense. They want to be able to you know, use the run to set up the pass. You can't do that when Jared Verse is constantly, you know, getting pressure on Jaden Daniels. So I, I think it'll come down to the battles in the trenches. And I do look at, you know, the differences from last year to this year for this LSU team. We mentioned the offensive line. We mentioned Jaden Daniels. I think the other part of that, too, is special teams. That's an underratedly bad unit from LSU last year. And it was really the reason why. LSU was not able to win that game last year. Two muffed punts, two blocked kicks. LSU did what they could in the offseason to improve that. Relieving Brian Pullian of his special teams coordinating duties, bringing in John Jancic to be the special teams coordinator, getting Aaron Anderson out of the transfer portal to be this team's punt returner. They've done things to improve special teams. Now, if that looks more improved, we'll see on Sunday and we'll see throughout the regular season. But that's another, I think, underrated aspect of this LSU team that was really just a thorn in their side, not just against Florida State last year, but all season long. Yeah, Malik Neighbors with a couple of fumbles. You know, he's now a leader on this team. A guy expected He redeemed to, himself. Yeah, he did. But it's just funny. You go back and look back, you forget, right. you know, what happened in that game a year ago. And, yeah, LSU shot themselves in, a foot, in their foot a, a ton in that one. Uh, one more in terms of, um, you know, aspect of this game of something to watch. 
I'm a little worried about LSU's defensive uh, backfield. Um, you know, the secondary has been reworked. I know they brought in Deuce Chestnut from Syracuse and uh, Zai Alexander from Southeastern, but I look at those big body guys at Florida State. Keon Coleman coming over from Michigan State, you know, like 800 yards, seven touchdowns a year ago, and then Johnny Johnson, who is oh I don't know six foot seven. Like they're just big body receivers that I worry about this LSU secondary. Totally fair worry, and it's something that I've been worried about this week, last week, and all the weeks before that, Gordy. This LSU secondary, it's interesting because LSU is known to have absolute dogs in the secondary. I mean, LSU is known as DBU for a reason, and it's crazy and weird and unlike anything that LSU fans have seen in a very long time to struggle to you know, find consistency, specifically in the cornerback room, but really in the secondary as a whole. That's why I think the defensive line is going to be so important for LSU, is you get pressure on the quarterback, you make that secondary's job a whole lot easier. But I look at, you know, Brian Kelly was talking about how, how Sage Ryan is going to be taking snaps throughout the season at corner. Sage Ryan is a career safety and nickel. And so he's framed it as, look at this versatile piece, this very, you know, quick, speedy guy who can make tackles in space. He's super versatile. He's flexible. We can play him anywhere. I look at it and say, you mean to tell me that you have to have a safety playing corner because you have no other options? Like, that makes me incredibly nervous about the depth of this position group. Uh, but uh, like I said, that makes the defensive line's job that much more important and it was made that much more difficult with the news that mason smith would be suspended for this first game all right moment of truth truth caroline what uh who wins this and why it's something that i have thought so far into and with a, a game that's so evenly matched i really think it could go either way i don't think that this is going to be a blowout by any means from either team because i think these are just too good of teams to get blown out I give LSU a very slight nod just because, you know, both teams are returning a lot. But LSU's unit did more last season. I was more impressed with LSU's overall season last year than I was with Florida State's. Yes, Florida State's win total at the end of the day, it looked good. It's a, it's a positive thumbs-up season for Mike Norvell and his tenure at Florida State. But Florida State did not beat a single-ranked opponent on their schedule last year. LSU was able to take down Alabama and the best quarterback in the country. They were able to take down an undefeated Ole Miss team last year. They scored more points on Georgia than any other team on Georgia's regular season schedule. So LSU just proved more last season, and I think they're more of a, of a battle-tested team going into this game. It's going to be fascinating to see. Uh, I think I'm with you. I was leaning Florida State earlier in the week. I think I'm going to lean LSU here. But, uh, again, wouldn't surprise me at all if Florida State pulled this one out. Caroline, thanks, thanks a bunch for the time. Uh, let people know where they can find your stuff. Yeah, you can find me every single day on the Locked in LSU podcast, wherever you find Locked in SEC, your preferred podcast platform, and on YouTube at Locked on LSU. You can also follow me on Twitter at Caroline Fenton one Caroline, thanks so much. Great stuff, and uh, we'll talk again soon. You're the best. Thanks, Gordy. More right after this. Right along here, locked on SEC, and now it is our moment of truth. We are going to go into this weekend, dive headfirst, and make our matchup predictions on who we think is covering this week. Now, full disclosure, there's a lot of games that are 
uh, games that don't have spreads this weekend. So uh, when we look across the conference, obviously um, Western Carolina, Arkansas, there's no line on that one. Mercer, Ole Miss, no line on that one. Southeastern and Mississippi State, no line on that one. Tennessee, Martin, Georgia, no line on that one. Although maybe with all of Georgia's injuries, there should be a line. Um, Alabama at A&M at Vandy, no line on that one. But we do have lines on all the other ones. So let's dive into it. Let's make some picks with our games this weekend. Matchup breakdowns. And let's take a look at our games happening across the SEC this coming weekend. We start with Virginia and Tennessee. We know that one is uh, the early one, right? It's going to be 11 a.m. Central, 12 Eastern on ABC. And Tennessee is a 28-point favorite. I kept going back and forth on this one. Virginia stinks. They're picked to finish dead last in the ACC. But I do think Joe Milton and the Josh Eipel offense are going to score a lot of points. I think they're going to run the ball a lot. And I do think they can cover that 28. The worry is a late backdoor cover from Virginia. But like I said, Virginia picked to finish dead last in the ACC. Tennessee's supposed to be one of the better teams in the SEC. I think Tennessee can get that cover. Give me Tennessee minus the 28. Next up, we got Ball State at Kentucky. I'll be honest with you. If this game were a year ago, I would have taken Ball State plus the points. Will Levis... With the loss of Liam Cohen, he lost his focus. The old line wasn't as good. He threw a bunch of interceptions in these type of games. I think Devin Leary takes it to another level. I think Devin Leary is better than Will Levis was a year ago, and having Liam Cohen back is a big reason why. I, I will take Kentucky to cover the 26-and-a-half against Ball State, but I think it happens late. I think they're up you know, 21, something going to the third quarter, and they get that extra touchdown in the fourth quarter to push it over. Uh, Next up, we got UMass at Auburn. UMass is a 35-point underdog corner of friends over at FanDuel. I am going to take UMass plus the points. I just, I start to look at it and say that's a lot of points. I know Auburn's going to try to score. Hugh Freeze, offensive-minded coach, Philip Montgomery, Peyton Thorne, the new quarterback. I just think it's going to take a little time to gel. I think there's some mistakes made. I think there's a fumble or two. I think Peyton Thorne throws an interception. I think there's some three and outs. Like, I think Auburn's going to look good and win by a lot. I just think that they're not going to win by 35. So give me UMass plus the 35. But, you know, I'll take Auburn something like 41 to 10 or something. That that, that gets you your cover. So uh, give me UMass and the points. Same thing with New Mexico and A&M. New Mexico, they're terrible. But 38-point underdogs against a team that just went 5-7 and seven a year ago? It's not like AM added a bunch of really good pieces in the transfer portal. It's largely the same team back. Connor Wegman, they do get a nice Smith back. They got Evan Stewart. They've got weapons there. Uh, they do lose Devon Shane, who was a big part of that backfield. But uh, I think AM wins and wins big. I just think 38 is too big of a number. So give me New Mexico plus the 38. You know, AM wins something like, I don't know, maybe they get to 50 points with. Bobby Petrino calling the plays, but I do think New Mexico scores a couple times and they cover that 38. Next up, Middle Tennessee at Alabama. Bama's 39-point favorites in this one. I, I I kept going back and forth. Part of me wanted to pick Middle Tennessee State with Alabama not announcing a depth chart and you know the quarterback thing being up in the air, but I don't think Middle Tennessee is going to score. I think Kevin Steele is going to get this defense back to the old 
suffocating, aggressive, sacking like crazy defense. So, you know, Alabama wins something like 41-0. I think that that obviously covers your 39. So uh, maybe we'll be nice and give Middle Tennessee a field goal. So I don't know, 44-3, something like that. But I think Bama will cover the 39. It's a lot of points. But I think they, they're on a mission this year. And uh, now we get into our two big ones. Uh, Saturday night, North Carolina versus South Carolina in Charlotte. This one is uh, a big, big game for Shane Beamer and company. Taking on Mac Brown. I am going to side with the Gamecocks. I'm going to take South Carolina plus two and a half. Maybe I'm being too pro-SEC here in week one. But I like the SEC non-conference games here. And uh, I'm going to take the Gamecocks. I think they get it done. Juice Wells and company. Uh, carry and Joyner, I think they are going to get it done. And then lastly, LSU against Florida State. I will be there in person watching this one. I'm going to side with LSU for now, minus the two and a half, unless something drastically changes before Sunday night. Again, big concerns for LSU secondary, but I do think the offense, uh, bringing back you know, Jaden Daniels, Mike Denbrock calling plays, I think there's some continuity there. And I think LSU scores enough points and beats FSU. I have, I added something about 27-24. I think it's a, a Damian Ramos field goal uh, late or something like that. But uh, nonetheless, give me LSU minus the two and a half. So to recap, if you really want to be a degenerate and get in on some of these games this weekend, we'll take Tennessee minus the 28 against Virginia, Kentucky minus 26 and a half against Ball State, UMass plus 35 at Auburn, New Mexico plus 38 at A&M, uh, Alabama minus 39 hosting Middle Tennessee State. And then we're taking Gamecocks plus two and a half against the Tar Heels and LSU minus a two and a half against the Seminoles. So those are our picks for this weekend. We'll uh, come back on Monday, see how right we were and uh, recap all the action that was from the weekend across the SEC. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. Again, I'm Chris Gordy. We're here for you five days a week talking all things SEC football. So make sure you are locked in here and subscribing wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, again, shout out to our everydayers. Keep coming back, checking us out every day. And again, we'll talk to you guys on Monday. Enjoy the football, everybody. Be safe. And I will be right back here on Monday. Have a great weekend.